Hey, everybody, welcome. Really excited to be here. Uh, I'm Paul. I run the developer education team for Alexa. This is Gal. Hi, guys. My name is Gal. I'm the founder of Stoke Skills. I am super excited that Gal is here.、Um, we are talking about games and voice. And this is a really interesting time in computing history, I guess, to me.、Uh, I remember two decades ago or so where I would teach people, maybe longer now, wow. Maybe two and a half decades ago, where I would teach people to use a mouse. I would prescribe play solitaire because you get touch, click, drag, double click speed.、Uh, people would watch their hand and go, "Why won't my mouse move?" Right? Like it was a learning curve for them and learn the keyboard, all that kind of stuff. Then about a decade or so ago, we got mobile, got touch. You're like, I have the web in my pocket. This is amazing, and the user experience is a little rough because. Basically, you got websites, and and they had hover menus were all the rage, and that doesn't work on touch. And it took the community to really come together and say, what is touch? What is mobile? And how can that become great? And now we have things like responsive design. And so it takes these folks that are pushing into the new, and they, it tends to be super creative, exciting, interesting folks. Back then, it was Rovio with Angry Birds. Now. Rovio Thunderbirds is that physics shooting thing where you should. They could have done a power up button and a power down button, an angle up button, an angle down button, and a shoot button, and that would have been a boring, boring skill. It would have been lame. It's what you could have done on the web or whatever. They didn't. They said, "What is touch?" And they go, "Touch and drag. That's the angle and the power. And to shoot, you let go of the screen. Like who would have thought to let go is to shoot? There was no design pattern for that. They figured it out." So games push into the new, and I feel like we're in that moment right now again, where we have this sense of what is computing, what is ambient computing, what does it mean that I don't, I don't have to be within arm's reach of my phone or my computer. I can be across the room and talking to my TV or to my kitchen or all these different devices around. And it's going to take people like Gal, people like you in the community. Who are figuring out how do we push into that bold new thing? And I think the games are on the front edge of it. So I'm excited to show what Gal's talking about here because it's going to give you a lot of insights into where he's starting to push it. And I would say that Gal's one of the few that are on the very bleeding edge of beyond just being the copy your web page to a phone style mobile apps. It's the wow, we actually really thought about what it natively means to be touch mobile apps, but this is in voice. Okay, so I'm really excited you're here. Thank you. It's awesome. So there's a couple things we're going to talk about.、Um, we're going to go through a few different phases. One is all about designing. Did you have fun designing? Yes, that's super important. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> most important good. phase. <laughs> Ironically, most people skip it.、Uh, you know, building an Alexa skill is super fun and easy, particularly for a web service developers. They start writing code, like it's working, and it's like awesome. But if you skip the design stage, then all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's no fun, and then you have to go back and redo it and throw away your code. And so I'm glad you love the designing one. And then monetizing. So look, if you want to be real, you got to be making some money so that you can create more content and get a more exciting experience for customers.、Uh, and then、uh, how to engage users, super key. So let's、uh, let's get into it. There's a few core lessons that you're going to learn about here. Um, about making games really fun and understanding the nuances of games, but I think there's another piece, which is you can take what we're learning about games and then pull it over to any kind of a skill,、uh, as long as you understand the core principles behind、yeah. it. A couple of different kinds of games, just to sort of set tones.
Uh, where would you call your game? Is it sort of a casual game, or is it more of a... So wordplay here is one of my games that I'm going to talk about. That's yep. kind of more of a casual game. Yeah. I say Escape the Room uh, is more of an interactive... More of an interactive kind of a game. Story. Yeah. yeah, so like a casual game is like just chilling out, playing, just getting something done pretty quick. More of the game helpers and reference games would be things like uh, I've got some console game or PC game, and I'm calling my friends in via voice to come help me fight this big monster, or I'm changing my loadouts with voice, uh, that kind of thing. I can sort of get into what's going on with the experience. And then the interactive stories is more of the escape the room style. Exactly. So it's interesting that you've got both ends of the spectrum here. You've actually got like 20, 30 games, I think right? I've around like, 30 skills and like five games now, yeah. How important is experimentation to this whole... I mean, experimentation is huge. You're going to learn so much by just trying out yeah. new things, seeing how people react. So. Right. So interactive fiction stories are more of a, they take you through an experience, guide you through what's happening. Um, in all of these, you think about the design slightly differently. You think about what is Alexa's role, what is the player's role, how do these come together, what kind of different sound effects you're going to use, and so forth. Um, so, Gal, give us a sense of uh, what you've been doing and what kind of skills you've been making. Yeah, sure. So... Um, let me start with how I got started with Alexa. Um, around two and a half years ago, I went to just one of these uh, Alexa Skills Kit um, events in Boston. Um, they had a little hackathon, and we were introduced to Alexa. This was still way earlier in, in the days of Alexa, and we learned how to make a simple skill. Um, I made a trivia skill with a friend of mine. I had a lot of fun there. And then I went home and kind of thought through ideas. Um, and it was, it was tough to think of ideas at first. And right. I made a couple of simple skills, and then I kind of let it sit for a while. And um, By the way, these trivia games are a great starter. Yeah, like if you want to get in, absolutely. it's a very natural thing for voice, mm -hmm. Q&A, back and forth. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of like, like, if you're in mobile, you might make a match three game. You just connect three things up and get rid of the jewels. Mm -hmm. And those can be really, really simplistic, but really complex, like the Candy Crushes and Bejeweled of the World. Trivia games kind of like that. You can go really simple, just get in and get your feet wet and understand the whole experience. Uh, or you can go really complex. And so I think that's cool that you got started there. Exactly. You got your yeah, yeah. daydreaming. I, I, would, I absolutely started really small and then yeah, yeah, slowly yeah. built over as I started understanding all the nuances cool. of like how, to, how to design for voice. Um, so... Yeah, eventually I got a call from Amazon. Some of my skills were pretty popular. I started receiving some developer rewards. And then I kind of looked at what was out there. And I saw everything is kind of on the shorter side, on the simpler side. And there wasn't any experiences that would really uh, catch you in and have you play for maybe an hour or more at a time. Um, so I, I started thinking and brainstorming what, what could fill in that gap. And um, came up with this bringing Escape the Room um, to Alexa. Uh, if you like have an actual physical Escape the Room kind of experience. Yeah, like exactly. That. So if you guys haven't those. seen an yeah. Escape the Room experience, you kind of have 10 people um, or so. They lo you get locked in a room with coworkers or family. And you have to... Either get out or yeah. half of you are on the <laughs> floor going, I hate yeah. you, you're the worst. <laughs> right. Exactly. But most of the time, people come out of it, they have a great time, it's a yeah. bonding experience, you're solving puzzles together, helping each other, shouting out what you think would help, and all that kind of stuff. So um, we decided to bring that to Alexa, and as you can see, uh, it's really open-ended, it's a complex uh, idea and skill, and I'm going to talk a lot about how um, I brought that from the design phase to what it is today. Um, so there's a lot of other skills, but we're going to focus ma mainly on that. Um, so next up, I'm going to give you a little bit of a demo of what that sounds like. So first off, you're going to hear the introduction to Escape the Airplane. So there's a little uh, intro <laughs> with the airplane sound. We set up the, the scene for you, what happens. That's kind of how each room starts. And then you'll hear a short sound clip of uh, a puzzle-solving ex experience inside of one of the Escape the Room games. 
was loud. <laughs> The ground beneath you shakes to the constant rumbling of an engine. Slowly opening your eyes, you attempt to focus on objects nearby. You fight against your heavy eyelids trying to force them to stay open. Everything remains a blur for a few more seconds, and then your mind gains a clearer picture of your surroundings. With the gas tank full, you take the rope that was originally bound around your wrists and connect it to where the missing pull cord was. You give it a strong tug. It's running. Power is back on. Nice work. So that last clip you heard was uh, after you put in gas in the generator, attach the pull cord, and really turn that on, bring power to the room, and you, you solve that puzzle, you're on to the next stage of the room. And so that's kind of how the game goes, solving puzzles at, um, along your way to your escape. So let's talk a bit about um, the design phase and kind of how you start building a skill. Uh, first up is an idea. You, you have to start, you, you have your, your idea, and then you have to kind of evolve it and see how can you actually make it work for voice. Um, like Paul was saying, voice is a totally different paradigm from mobile and other experiences that you have. So what you might think will work at first um, might have to be tweaked a little bit to, to actually um, be a, a good, fun experience. Um, so the first thing to really keep in mind is your audience is going to be extremely wide. Alexa is in people's homes, um, and it's just something that anybody can, can play at any time. You can have kids, you can have um, el the elderly, you can have people of all experience levels with technology. And if you want to reach that whole entire audience, which I think you should, um, you should try and build your skill in a way that um, can adapt to all of those skill levels um, and really keep in mind that anybody can be using your skill. Um, it's a little different than, say, uh, in Xbox, where you're not going to have the same audience uh, interacting with your skill. Next up is it's still a pretty new space. Uh, there's still a lot of opportunity to expand and build totally new experiences that haven't been created before. Kind of like that Angry Birds thing. There's all sorts of new experiences, and I think we really only scratch the surface of what's possible. Um, so you can start off building a fact skill, building a trivia skill, but then kind of trying to think outside the box. Um, use what you learned and try to make a new experience that hasn't been done before. And lastly, uh, really uh, take some thought um, into why you want to build your skill for voice. Why does it make sense for the platform? Are there any value adds that really bring it to this platform? So for Escape the Room specifically, uh, we thought it would be perfect for voice because it's all about that bonding experience with your family. You can play in the living room. You can play with anyone around. You can all hop in, play together, and solve a puzzle. So it really works well for that as well as uh, it doesn't have a screen, so you're really using your imagination. You're all kind of thinking um, of puzzles in your head. It's kind of some time to take, a, take away from that screen time and, and be together with your family. Um, and this is a little different. You haven't seen an Escape the Room game. I haven't seen one for a console before. Um, that's because it's a little bit too, too simplistic or too short for a console, but it works really well on the voice platform. You can pick it up at any time when you want to and go back to it. Um, so that's kind of why we chose that. And I think for every, for every skill, you can kind of think of the, the ideas, the use cases of why it would make sense. I see this one a lot. Um, we do a lot of hackathons. We just did one on Monday. There's a bunch mm -hmm. of people building teams. A lot of times what happens is you go, hey, let's go build something today. And they go, I'm going to build this. 
and they like they immediately know what they're going to do, and they haven't like soaked in it a little bit. Right. And I think just getting out there, you should go play Escape the Room, you should go play the trivia games, you should go play Yes Sire, you should go play these various games and just get into them and soak in them a little bit and just get a feeling for how this goes. Then when you'll wake up one night and go, oh, I got it. Yeah, and then you're gonna go exactly. build something. If you built the fact skill, you know how the whole thing works. If you built a trivia game, you know how the whole thing works. But now you gotta percolate that idea and giving yourself a little space and time to be open to mm -hmm. uh, a voice first idea is uh, I think important. Exactly. Even if it includes screens or buttons or yep. other things. Yeah, that's absolutely. That, yeah. And it takes a lot of time to come up with ideas. Um, at first, I, I was having a lot of trouble. And then as you spend more and more time and you kind of uh, figure out what's possible, it'll really expand your horizons. Yeah. And, and you'll have a lot. I have tons of ideas now. So, um, so yeah, part of your de design phase, start thinking about um, the audio choices. This is something you want to do early on. You can use um, Alexa's voice. You can use poly voices um, to narrate your skill. Or you can uh, hire a voice actor to at a more immersive experience. So that might seem uh, like the better option at first, you know, hiring a voice actor. You can add all that pop and style um, and really make it immersive, but that comes mm -hmm. with limitations. So um, first of all, if you want to build a dynamic skill that's really complex and lets users say things, an infinite amount of things, or tons of options that you then repeat back to them, it's, gonna be, um, it's not going to be possible to actually record all that content. So that, that will totally um, exclude voice acting. Also, iteration. I think iteration is a point that you're going to, uh, it's really important. You want to keep evolving your skill. And if you have to go back and record every time you want to make a change, it's really going to hold you back a lot. So um, voice acting, it works well if you really have an idea, if you're going to build a, an interactive story, more of an audiobook experience. But if you want to build a custom skill and not be bounded and tied to that, I would definitely stick with Alexa's voice. And there's a lot of reasons, uh, a lot of ways you can actually make that immersive as well. Yeah, so like if you have an, an intellectual property, you have an IP of a voice actor or something like that, well, maybe you want to use their voice. And that's, mm -hmm. if that's a value prop that you're offering, right. cool. Like Jeopardy or something. But like, I like your litmus test there of like, if it's pretty much a flow that you're going to go through, well, recording it might work just fine because there's not a lot of replay value. Mm -hmm. The value is doing it once. But in the, in the experience where you've got like effectively a game engine with a levels and a series of levels and you're going to replay those and dynamically generate levels, well, then you've got a lot of variety and you, you want to have text-to-speech and you want to have the flexibility to create more mm -hmm. things. So that's a good litmus test. Exactly. So now that you have your whole entire idea, it's extremely important to try and put that into terms of a voice user experience. How is your mm -hmm. user going to actually interact with your skill? And how are your intents going to be modeled? Um, and that kind of defines everything else that happens later on. So this was a, an especially uh, big deal for Escape the Room. It's, I think it's the only skill that I know of that's very open-ended. The prompt at the end of each one of Alexa's commands is, what would you like to do? And this is opposed to a lot of other skills where for example, would you like trivia. to pick the apple, yeah. pick the orange, pick the whatever? That, yeah. Yeah. Is it A, B, C, or D? Yep. So um, because of that, we really need to handle, the user could say any possible thing. So we need to narrow that down. And our code doesn't want to handle too many things. Right. So that's going to be impossible to code for. And um, if you've used the Alexa voice model, if you add too many intents, if you add too much complexity to it, it's going to start breaking down. Um, so you really want to kind of keep that tight and simple and, and really decide what actions are important for your users to do. Um, so for Escape the Room, we thought about this a lot. And we really narrowed down to four main actions. And three of these you can do at any moment in time. And the last one, solving puzzles, uh, the first three actions will kind of set you into a state where you might be entering a code. 
So those, those three main actions are looking around. So that's just kind of looking in the direction. You'll, you'll hear a little bit of a description of what you see. Um, next is looking at objects. And that also uh, includes interacting with objects. It's one intent that lets you do pretty much um, the majority of actions. So um, the, it might seem like three is not a lot, but this one intent, looking at objects, actually mm -hmm. includes stuff like turning the doorknob, pressing a button, uh, looking at a wall, listening to a tape player, opening a tape player. And you can do that by really expanding your set of um, sample utterances. So you don't have to have a different intent for all of those different things. You can use slot values and a bunch of utterances to mean the same thing to your platform, but to a user it might mean different things. So this is one of those breaking mindset changes from web and mobile. In web and mobile, let's say I have an experience and in my page I've got a button and the button says deploy or publish or launch. I mean, those all mean the same thing. It's just a question of the designers going, what's the most appropriate word for my, my experience here? And they pick one that's close. They don't get it right, but they get it close, something that's learnable, right? And then the customer has to apply their own natural language understanding in their head to that button to understand that that's the right thing to click. In voice, it's actually different. It's the reverse where the person says publish or deploy or launch, or we don't know, but their, their meaning publish that thing, and then it's up to the Alexa service and up to you as the designers of this to train the Alexa service so that you can handle all those various words. So that's a, that's a big shift where you have to think on another, you have to think on the level of what do I want to do, like publish, and I have to think on how do I train the ML to be able to accept a variety like this. And so the way you've distilled this down into there's four things I want to do, now let's build an expansion of all the ways people might say those four things is a great way to do it. Yeah, exactly. And in doing this, we had to actually cut out some of the intents we thought would make sense at first. Uh, for example, we wanted you to be able to pick up items. We thought that would make sense. Uh, you look around, pick up items. But then we decided that's actually not important. If you think about it a little bit, picking up items, not everything you can pick up. So you're just going to try and pick up everything because you want to try and figure out. But what all do you do? Things. What if I say pick up an item? What do you do? Like how does your skill respond to that kind of a thing? It, so this skill is, there's a certain amount of things, so it, it feels like you can do a lot, but it'll, it'll explain to you kind of, you, you can't pick up items. Got these it. Are, these are it the teaches you how to do it. It kind of teaches you how to do it. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we decided to cut that out so you could really focus. The user could do things that were fun for the user um, instead of things that will most likely fail. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So next up, uh, let's talk about uh, starting to build your design. So. Uh, what we did for Escape the Room, and I think this makes a lot of sense, is uh, separate framework from the actual content. This allowed us to really modular, modularize our content and continue to expand and build more and more rooms without worrying about the user experience. Uh, it, the, the voice user experience, as we've been talking about, is really uh, complex and it's really hard to fine tune and get right. Um, so we decided to actually separate that from the content. So we can cont once, we, once we figure out the user interface, we can just continue to add more rooms and add more content without having to actually go back to the drawing board and figure out uh, what is that experience like. So games are, are uh, similar in a sense to any skill in this way. Mm -hmm. Games, you want to have a more engaging, deep, longer experience. Utility skills, you want to just get the thing done, right? But you still have this concept of separating out your user experience from your back-end logic. And you know, in a lot of utilities, it's easier to keep those combined because you don't right. get as complex as fast. Mm -hmm. But the principle still adheres. If you are a person who's building a utility skill, this concept 
of keeping your UX uh, a little bit separate is kind of nice. Exactly, you wanna make sure that when you go back to it and you wanna add more content or add more utility, you don't, you don't have to actually things. like break the design yeah. of the experience. Uh, so here's an example of some code um, from Escape the Room and Basically, all our objects are set up with their, those two main actions that you can do to them. You can, you can inspect them, and that's the action of using it or looking at it, um, and that'll give you, bat, that's basically hand, handed some state, and it returns a string um, of the response. Um, and the next one is using an item. So that's actually passed in through the framework, the item that the user decided to use, and um, it will also return a response. And it so it's like you have a game engine and like a level editor. Yeah, exactly. And your rooms are like levels. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So here's what that sounds like. You peek in the vent. It looks like it goes pretty far away. The vent is labeled with a company logo. The slogan reads, the right vents for your needs. What would you like to do? And so as you heard there, the uh, prompting, what would you like to do, isn't actually in the content of the skill. Um, that's added through the framework. It's part of the user experience. Mm -hmm. So you do like a response and then a prompt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that, this kind of like, we, ha we were mm -hmm. handed the, the room, the room uh, content, and then we figure out what we want and the framework kind of mm -hmm. figures out the response. Mm -hmm. Here's uh, what happens when you use an item. You place the robot in the vent and it drives forward to the end. Looks like it needs further instruction to proceed. What would you like to do? So same thing there, and uh, for using an item, for example, if you used one that you don't have, the framework will already handle that. It'll say, uh, you, you don't have that item right now, this is what's in your inventory, or something like that. So keeping your responses and prompts separate like this is also clever and cool, because you might wanna have like a compound response, like part A of the response, concatenated with part B of the response, mm -hmm. concatenated with part C of the response, which might be varying and different, and then you go to a prompt. Exactly. And, and you're always using a very similar prompt, not always, but oftentimes using the what would you like to do. But a lot of skills have specialized prompts for that situation too, mm -hmm. and so you need to be able to pull this all together and think about it in a modular way. Yeah, exactly. And as I'll talk about a little bit um, in the future is like, that prompt can change um, dynamically based on how we think the user is doing, and yeah, how cool. much we want to uh, teach them. Yeah, cool. So next up is uh, failing gracefully. Uh, users <laughs> are going to say tons of things that you are not going to expect. Um, and you really need to teach them uh, how, to, how to interact with your skill. And this was kind of a big, a big uh, pain point uh, initially for Escape the Room. It was really open-ended and we got some reviews initially that people were getting stuck. They couldn't figure out how to interact with the skill. And if any of you have used Alexa before, it's really painful when you say something, you told it to do something, whether it's turning the lights on or whatever, and it, it didn't get it, or there was a mismatch, and you're just waiting there and you're struggling to do something that would have been so much easier. Um, so uh, we really want to minimize the amount of times that, you always want to minimize the amount of times that that happens, and people are gonna enjoy your skill much more. So first off, we tried adding in a longer introduction to teach people how to use your skill, what are all the commands? And that, that didn't work so well. That's where we got that feedback, because <laughs> it was too long. People were dropping off. They, they didn't have the context yet. So we told them things that they didn't know what it meant until they actually started the skill. There's, there's another design paradigm shift there, which is when you design for reading or for the eye, you like think about writing a, a paragraph or a, something. You probably have a topic sentence and supporting sentences, another topic sentence, more supporting. And what you're counting on is the customer to be able to skim. They mm -hmm. like go, I get it, I get it, I, get, I don't get it. And they go back and they rewind a little bit and they read the details. Now I get it and they go on their way. With voice, there's no skimming. 
Yeah. You don't get to do the <laughs> skimming piece. So having a big, long monologue of stuff, they're like, yeah, 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 skip, skip, skip. Um, and then they sort of tune out. So that I get why the long thing. Yeah. We sort of have this rule of thumb. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it's a good rule of thumb, which is if Alexa can say it in about a breath, that's about the right mm -hmm. amount of saying something. Yeah. yeah. That's an extreme, extremely good point about skimming. You, you have to actually give the user exactly what they need at exactly the right time. Because if you don't, they're going to be completely lost and, and not know what to do. Um, so next up, we tried to handle, uh, give the user some instruction. Whenever they made a mistake, for example, they tried to pick up an item. We kind yeah. of gave them, gave them some guidance. We told them, this is how the game works. Um, um, you can actually do this. So we also got a little, some negative reviews there where people were like, stop telling me all the time. I just made one mistake. I know how to play the game. It's really annoying. Mm -hmm. um, so then we came to what we do in all our skills now, which is really provide a more customized experience. So we're kind of trying to learn and store data about the user as they're interacting with your skill. How many times are they hitting the fallback? How often? How much time is between that? Um, and that way we can actually um, provide a customized experience. So at first, teach them how it works. If they make one mistake once in a while, don't tell them. But if we feel like they're struggling, keep on helping them. Keep on um, giving them some instruction. Because uh, like we said before, there's all sorts of users. Everyone's going to get it at a different pace. Mm -hmm. And you can't um, give someone who's struggling the same exact help as someone who, who's uh, doing fine, because they're just going to get pissed off and leave. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So really kind of try to provide that custom experience for your users, and, and it, it goes a long way. And next up, uh, testing. Once you have your skill ready, I definitely recommend that you find people from your family or your friends who haven't used the skill before, bring them in person, um, sit them down in front of you, have them use the skill for the first time, and watch how they react to it. Look at their face, look at where they're annoyed, look at where they struggle, and then keep on adapting this, this process and adapt the skill and to try it again a few times until you kind of really minimize those places where the user's confused or they're stuck or they're, they're being told stuff that they don't need to know um, because that's really going to help you fine tune it and that's something that you can't get from your logs and later it's on. super, super powerful. I, I've definitely had the experience multiple times where I write it out in a script and I'm like, this is brilliant. Right? And then I read it to somebody else and they read it, they go, this is brilliant. Yeah. And then we say, okay, I'll pretend to be Alexa, you pretend to be human. And by the way, pretending to be human is a little harder than pretending to be Alexa, but <laughs> you do that. And then we read it back and forth to each other and you're like, this is terrible because we, we didn't get that tone right. And the, right. So you've got to like, like throw your strings into the voice simulator and listen to it, say it out loud to each mm -hmm. other. And getting people into the room like that is, it gives you both that is it voice ready experience and it also gives you the uh, whoa they said that yep. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that <laughs> phrase to come out and it's right. usually really simple tweaks you'll make from that you won't have to change too much but a couple of tweaks will really make it so much better right. update your model and go try it again yeah <laughs> right? exactly yeah I keep iterating while <laughs> right. they're there and then try it again right. and, and it's because you're not, usually not changing better. code at that point you're changing your model you're changing your model and you might change a little bit of yeah, the response yeah. but yeah. And then uh, also, definitely live updates. Look, look at your uh, users. Look at how they're interacting. Um, have some logging and really measure and act upon that to keep on improving the skill from there. Cool. Um, and then so a little bit about hosting and scaling. Um, you can, 
Alexa works by just hitting a, any uh, HTTP endpoint with a JSON response. You send something back. You could use a, a normal server, um, but all my skills are using Lambda, which is a serverless way to just run a function in the cloud, um, and DynamoDB as a backend for the store. Um, and this really makes it uh, super easy to forget about your infrastructure and focus on the experience, because uh, those services just scale pretty much endlessly with almost no configuration. Yeah, you still have to fiddle like your read-write volumes and stuff like that. Yeah. We, we definitely have run into this thing where the marketing team is like, I want to go market this skill, it's incredible. And of course, every skill developer's like, please market me, I want you to <laughs> yeah. show me the skill. And so we go to do that, and then you're like, man, this thing's gonna fall over. So we call up, and like, we gotta get this thing going. So being, being marketable, Mm -hmm. uh, by being ready to scale is actually important because the last thing that we want to do is go like, check out this big skill, it's amazing, and then it falls over and you get a bunch of one-star reviews and then you're like, ugh. Exactly. Right? Yep. So we got to be ready for those things. So that's important. Lambda will pretty much scale near infinitely without, without <laughs> anything, and then Dynamo, you can set your own read-write values, um, and those can auto-scale, and I think they just announced auto-scaling um, without setting read-write. Oh, in the, in the last, uh, <laughs> I learned the something keynote. today. Yeah, so that's exciting, and I'm probably going to try cool. that. Out. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, that's great news. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Cool. So next up, monetization. You've spent all this time building and iterating, improving your skill. How can you make some money for from it? Um, there are the dev rewards, which are great, but if you really want to put uh, the power in your own hands to be able to have your own business plan, start developing your own ideas and take charge of it, um, you can use what is called in-skill purchases. So you can start selling digital content, um, premium experiences to your users within, within the skill. To me, this one's really important for customer experience mm -hmm. uh, because if, if you want to get great, great content to customers and it's constantly updated, new and fresh all the time, that's very hard and valuable work to be doing to creating that content. Mm -hmm. And customers are willing to pay for really interesting, great, entertaining, valuable content. Mm -hmm. um, but we gotta get that flow going so that you can build better and better and more amazing next generation kinds of skills. That's cool. Exactly. So for Escape the Room, um, I decided to add monetization in the form of hints. So um, if you've ever been to a real escape room, uh, there's usually a person watching you as you play and they're sitting outside of the room and they're kind of stalking you and looking at how you're doing. And if you uh, are struggling, they give you a little bit of hints in the room. Uh, sometimes there's a TV there and they kind of push you along. Because if you're stuck um, and you can't solve it, you're probably not gonna figure it out. It's gonna take you forever. You're gonna get frustrated and just leave. Um, but with a little bit of help, you can kind of figure it out yourself and then you still have the same enjoyment as the person who figured it out earlier, figured it out later. You, everyone can enjoy the same amount uh, if you're being pushed along. So we kind of built upon that model. And what we do is we track basically every single state you can be in in the game, every single possible time something can change and you would need to do something. And we have three to five hints for those um, states. So for each one, we can give you progressively better hints to push you along. So you're always in that state where you can um, figure something out yourself, get a little more help if you can't, and then figure it out there. Um, so this that, one, that works really well. Were, yeah, this is both a business model and a design choice. Um, when you think about playing games, one of the core principles of if a game is fun is if it's challenging. Like, you want it to be, you want to think you can succeed, you want to think you can win, mm -hmm. but there's a real chance you're going to fail. Right? And if you don't have that real chance you're gonna fail, you're like, eh, I don't know. So for example, tic-tac-toe. 
the first time you learn it, you learn the rules, you go, I get those rules, I see how it's gonna work, and you're like, I can win this. And you play it, and you play it, and you play it, and pretty soon you realize it's always a tie. And you go, oh, no more fun, because there's no chance you're gonna fail, and there's not much chance you're gonna win. So you lose the fun in it. Take chess, on the other hand, at first you look at that, that game and you're like, whoa, this is daunting. What are all these pieces? What do they do? How do they work? And you're like, I can't even win. So it's not fun in the beginning. And now it's like this learning exercise about how this all stuff works. And then you go, oh, now it's fun. Because now I get how it works. I think I can win. Uh, and it lasts a lot longer because it's a more complex game. So I say all that to say that hints are one of those leveling, balancing characteristics of a game where without, like you could use AI to understand how a customer's, which you sort of did in a way with your feedback loops, you're trying to understand yeah. like what people, where they're failing, where they're falling off and helping mm -hmm. them more often. Uh, but hints are another way to do it without any real logic because what's happening is the customer says, I need help. And now they say, I think I'm just gonna give me the, give me the thing and now I think I can win. Mm -hmm. So you auto balance a little bit so you keep the challenge level just right. Exactly. And uh, keep the enjoyment level up. So it actually makes games more fun Mm -hmm. to have this kind of an experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's super important, again, because anybody can use Alexa. It can be anybody picking it up, and you really mm -hmm. want them to be able to have a good experience. Um, so yeah, uh, really your goal is to create the value here. Um, and once you do that, uh, monetizing your skill is actually super frictionless. You don't have to have the user take out their wallet. They don't have to take out their credit card. They pretty much only have to say yes, and then they can purchase it. So it's really all on you. It's kind of like like that serverless paradigm. You just focus on building your experience, building your code, catering to your customers, mm -hmm. and then let um, Amazon handle the whole purchase flow. Um, so the only thing to keep in mind is offer, offer stuff at the right moments. Don't push it. Don't, don't push people away. Don't go too hard with it. Um, but um, yeah, offer stuff at the right time. So for mm -hmm. Escape the Room, we let you Ask, we, we let you ask for a hint, and then we give you a free hint, and then if you want more, you know what you're expecting, you know what to do, and then, and then you can actually I love that you purchase. show the value prop, like you can right. feel it and get what I'm gonna get out of it, and they yep. know the value of a hint. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Cool, so there's a few different kinds of purchasing. Um, one of them is called consumables, and a consumable is one where you make a purchase and you have stuff, so hints would be a good example of a consumable, but it could be, <laughs> me, it could be coins or other things like that where I, I get them, I use them up, and then I wanna buy some more, right? So this is like, if I buy a hamburger, I eat it up, and I gotta buy another hamburger. I consumed it, right? All right, that's consumables. Then we've got one-time purchases. So one time purchase, I buy it, and now I have it. So I bought that cassette tape, and I still have it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it anymore, <laughs> but I still have it. Um, but this is like, I buy a book, or I buy, I buy a, a level, or I buy a new room, or I buy, a new content pack for a quiz game or a trivia game. So once I unlock it, I've now got it and I can just keep using it. So that'd be a one-time purchase. And then the last one would be, uh, oh, I'm gonna show you how this works first, then I'll show you subscriptions. Uh, so, well, let me do subscriptions and come back. Yeah, go for it. So the last one would be subscriptions. And this is where I have this notion of, I'm giving you fresh new content all the time. Just keep it coming. And so as a part of that, you buy a subscription like you would a magazine or something like that, and now you can, you can partake in that fresh new content constantly. So you pay a monthly whatever kind of rate. All right, so now we'll go back. This is what it looks like. So you, your job as a developer in this sense is to do two things. One, as Gall said, find a place in your experience to offer these products and create the product. 
Um, so the pro here's an example of the JSON that creates the product for you. It has the obvious stuff that you might think about, like uh, how much is it, what's the description of it, um, what are its characteristics if it's a subscription, how long is the free trial period, so forth. Uh, and then it has another thing, which is sort of down here, is it highlighted? I can't remember, it's down here in the middle. The custom product prompts. Yeah, the custom yeah. product prompts, it's sort of down here near the bottom two thirds. And what happens here is, this is the text that you give to the Alexa purchasing experience. So you think about it, you, you get to a point in the game and it says, hey, you look a little stuck, do you want a hint? And then this would say, hey, or this is a history pack actually. You, you get to the game, you say, hey, I want a quiz about history. And it would say, okay, well we have a history pack for you. The history pack adds over 10 history facts. Do you want to get this thing? Yeah, it's awesome, right? 10! And do you want to buy this? And then you go through the process of buying. So this is how you, this is how you tailor and customize the purchase flow experience. Uh, and then Alexa will take care of telling them the price and maybe even offering discounts, like Prime users get discounts. Now the cool thing is, even if there's a discount applied, you as the developer get the full 70% of whatever price you set. Uh, and so if they offer 10, 20, 30, 40% off, you still get the full 70% of the price you set. Uh, and, but this is how you will sort of signal, this is how I want to position and offer my product. And the great part is this just saves you time as a developer. You don't have to make that experience. You don't have to build the design for the voice model. And your customers already have, have experienced that. So they don't know what purchasing a product is actually going to be like. I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of game designers in particular uh, back in mobile days. I guess mobile's still around, right? Yeah, I think it's still okay. So I shouldn't say back in the mobile days. Uh, in mobile, I often see that game designers, the game designer will then design the purchase flow. And so what you end up with is like, woo, splashy, and it's really hard to win, and you might not actually get to buy the thing. It's, it's a little convoluted. Mm -hmm. And so you don't really want game designers building your purchase flow. Right. Conversely, you get a UI designer that builds a beautiful purchase flow. It's like click, 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 done, got it. I understand what I just got. But you don't want them to design your game flow because they're like, oh, there's a monster? Just click it and you win. What? Why should this be hard? Right? So they're optimizing for experience, right? So this is a situation where we've optimized this purchase flow and let you focus on the kind of design you were after. It could be utility, could be game, could be whatever. Cool. So all of these together uh, form this in-skill purchasing experience. You can also, <laughs> excuse me, sell uh, goods and services. So you can use Amazon Pay if you want to sell, uh, you know, tickets to a concert or something like that, uh, donations. Uh, there are some other ways to make money. You mentioned developer rewards, which is sort of like yep. the entry of how you mm -hmm. got in this. Yeah. And that's all just about building a great, engaging experience. Yep. One other thing I've seen a lot of people making money on is they build experiences for brands. So brands are saying, hey, I want to be here. I want to get, I want to get into a conversation with my customers and so effectively this is like the agency model. You sort of start to outsource your design and development uh, chops to a brand and use their IP and help it get out. And that plays out in games too. Like you've seen things like Jurassic World and it's this really big, deep, cool, from the movie kind of an experience. Uh, and they just want to be there. Like the, the movie's there with the, the game and everything. Cool. So uh, once you have the monetization in there, uh, it's really time to continue to iterate because um, the more you have it in there and then the more users you get, the more you're going to be able to monetize. So 
uh, keeping your users engaged, keeping them excited, they'll spend more time on your skill and it'll be more likely that there is value there for them to spend on. And they'll start telling their friends and they'll get other exactly. people to play it. And like it's, this is a key for yeah, this is all, too. This is huge. So uh, one really simple one that's super important and can be overlooked is adding in variety. If you have any repetition, if you have a trivia skill or something like that, and you're giving the same response over when they get something right or wrong, it's gonna get really, really boring and stale. You're, they're gonna hear the first word, they're gonna know everything else that comes after that, and they're just gonna be sitting there waiting, listening to something they already heard, and they're not gonna have any fun. So a really simple way to, do, to fix that is just add in a bunch of messages, add in five to 10 random messages you can give. So each time you're kind of keeping them on their toes, it doesn't feel like they're just going through the same old process over and over and over again. I, I think I hear every GUI designer out there saying, no, that's wrong, right? Yeah. right. And I think they might it's actually- totally different. <laughs> right, because here's the thing, and uh, I've talked to a lot of people about this and, and we've sort of started to come to an understanding of how this plays out. In mobile, web, and, and traditional sort of GUI design, consistency is a powerful, powerful tool. Mm -hmm. Because your job as a mobile or a GUI designer is to make things easy to learn. And what you want to do is make it very easy to learn the very first time through, and then even easier the next time and the next time and the next time. And you know that customers can skim and ignore stuff really well, so make it super consistent, don't ever change anything, and they're going to go click, 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 and they're going to get into it quickly. Mm -hmm. So you're like, of course, consistency is king, we're going to come on in, and you come to voice and all of a sudden everybody hates your skill and they're bailing out, and you're like, <laughs> what's happening? Uh, because that's not, you, you don't have the power of skimming anymore, and consistency is actually not what you want. You want this sense of variety. Like you've, you've given this talk a few times. You did it on Twitch, you did it earlier, you did it, and I bet it's been different every time. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's about conversation, and it's about a cooperative experience between you and the customer getting where you want. It's not about, I know what you want, customer, I'm gonna build a user flow for you and get you through it as efficiently as possible. It's just a different mindset. Exactly, and with that said, like, you want variety in a lot of your, your responses, but try to keep it a little bit closer on the prompts. If you're giving the user prompts, what are they gonna do next? Right, kind that's of, a signal. Yeah, that's right. a signal. Keep that more consistent so they don't think that they need to say something else. They don't think they're right. in a new state. Right. Um, cool, so next up, sound effects. Um, people say that pictures are worth a thousand words, and when you only have voice, sound effects kind of do the same exact thing. Uh, they can convey a ton of information in very, very little time, and so you should definitely use that to your advantage. Uh, it can be super effective. So um, Escape the Room has all sorts of different sounds in it. Um, it uses them in the puzzles when you solve things, and it also uses them as the actual puzzles. So here's an example um, of one of the puzzles from Escape the Room. What's this old tape player doing here? You wonder to yourself. It looks like there is already a cassette inside, so you go ahead and click play. What would you like to do? So yeah, over there we're using some Morse code, actually using the audio, the yeah. audio platform yeah. to provide the puzzle for you. Um, next up, Wordplay. Wordplay is a game that is, uh, it's a word game you get a five-letter word that you have to guess, and you're only given the first letter of the word. Beach. And, 
No, I was just you, guessing. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give me the first letter yet. Okay, good. Cool. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you are. So each time, each time you guess, you're given the feedback of what letters in the right spot, what letters in the wrong spot, what letter um, what wasn't in the word but is, but what letter wasn't in the right spot but is still in the word. And so, like, like you just heard, it's really hard to kind of give you all that. You're yeah, gonna have yeah, to do yeah. it. Letter one is right in, in the wrong spot. Letter two. So you can actually use sounds for each of those little actions and really convey all that information in a, in a much shorter period of time. So here's The that. first letter of your word is T. Please spell out a word to guess next. Is T-H-A-W as your final answer? T-H. Rut row. You have lost a life. Nine lives remaining. Try guessing another word. So that's one example. You heard those different sounds, and that kind of uh, indicates wh which letters you got right. It's your feedback. Um, Angel Investor is another game that I have, and you're basically act as an investor. Different companies come in, they pitch to you, um, and you have to decide and negotiate with them. Um, so that, that game runs on an event loop. You're kind of in your office, and you ask, what's next on my schedule? What, what should I do next? And you have all these different events that can happen. One is a company comes in the door, they pitch to you. Another is you get a phone call, um, and they call up. They give you an update on how they're doing, what your returns are. Another update could be, another thing you could get is an achievement that you earned. Um, and so each time you, we're kind of giving you a new, a new event and we set the scene by using a sound effect. So you kind of know what you're gonna hear next. We give you that like half a second sound. So you're in the mindset. We put you in the mindset of what you're gonna hear next. So you don't have to use your brain power to really like listen to all the words and like only get the context after the beginning of, of, of the response. So here's three different sounds we used to really set the stage for what's gonna happen next. Do you actually remember that phone? Remember the phone? Yeah, oh. that sound. Do you actually remember that, that phone that, sound? No. Oh my God, was that killing phone? me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that phone sound. It was oh. actual like bells and there's a hammer that goes back and forth. Oh, actually, oh, that was oh, digital, I, I guess. That one oh, was. I thought you meant the specific sound. No, 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 no. Okay, no, okay, no, no, yeah, of course I remember those. Oh, okay, good. Freaking out. Cool, so uh, Paul's gonna talk a little bit about some more things that you can use to um, really spice up your, your responses. Yeah, so speech synthesis markup language. That's the, the technology behind a lot of this. It's called SSML. And there are a wide range of things that you can do with SSML. Uh, the, the most basic would just be text-to-speech, just take the words and go. But you can do things like change the pronunciation. Do you mean pecan or pecan? Mm -hmm. You can say it either way, and that works great. Um, you can do things like the prosody. You can speed up, slow down, you can make it louder, um, you can change the nuances that way. Uh, you can change the voice, so if you want to have a male uh, voice, or you want to have a, a child voice, or you want to have a, a voice with a, that speaks UK English, or US English, or Australian English, you can hear the different accents for it. Uh, you can insert audio files, so that's what you've been hearing here, where you can use SSML mm -hmm. to insert audio files. Uh, you can do um, specialized things like interjections. I think at one point, um, what was it? Oh, one of your characters said, rut row, yep, right? And so if you just type rut row, it would have said, oh, this thing happened, rut row. But she said, rut row, right? And there's like, it's called an interjection. You can say, yippee, and hoorah, and you can get some more like animations of some of it. 
Um, and so you can use these tags. It's basically there's an open tag, like in this case it's audio source, and then the URL and the close tag. Um, so this is something that you should really play with. Like at first you might just jam out some stuff, but let's say you run into that case where you're violating the one breath rule. And then you're like, oh no, but I need all this content, but it's too long. And so one technique that people use is they say a little bit, play a sound, say a little more. It gives you a break. Or say a little bit, put a pause in. You actually did this in your, uh, in the opening scene with the airplane. It, right, exactly. It said you're here, you're here, and then it paused for like maybe a second or so, mm -hmm. and then it, and it had some more speech to go. And then, um, yeah, so you can use this. So I would say, uh, take the, you can switch up voices in the middle, like you'd have mm -hmm. Alexa and then Michael and then something else. So take this, put it in the voice and tone simulator that we have in the testing tool, and just listen to things and sort of develop an ear for what it looks like, you know, and over time you'll start to see what it's going, you can feel it. Yeah, exactly. Take your skill after you've finished it, listen to it, find out some of the, find some of like the more boring parts where, where you're kind of sitting through and just play with those sounds, to try to tweak it until, until it sounds the way you want it to. It, it can really totally change the tone of your skill um, in, in a much better way. Yeah. Search for Alexa SSML and you'll, yep. you'll get so the page here, Here's a, a clip of that for this code. Welcome to Carfu. You can order a ride or request a fair estimate. Which will it be? So poly voices were one of the things that you can use. So uh, what you've been hearing so far has been the Alexa voice. Uh, it's using the Alexa service to go text to speech and come off Alexa. Uh, Polly offers you uh, several different accents, several different locales, several different voices. So let's listen to a few of these. My lord, welcome back to your domains. We have been expecting you. Welcome back, Captain. Let's set sail and conquer the enemies. Are you ready? So it just, again, sets that mood. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've used it where you have like character one, character two, character three, exactly. and it allows you to bypass the one breath test because it sort of gives you into a new feeling of it. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I use those in Angel Investor. Each character has its own voice, its own personality, and I've even had people think that I hired a real person to record them. Um, Who wow. do you get to, to hire those? So some of, the, some of the voices are better than others, but some of them can really add a lot to your skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's dozens and dozens of those. Mm -hmm. um, so another characteristic that's important for games, and it plays into just about everything else we've been talking about, is memory. Uh, it's really, really frustrating to play a game and to go through four questions of the quiz and then go, I gotta go, I'll be right back, and then come back and start over with the four questions, or to get to a level and then have to go away and come back and start all the way over and get through this. So there's two forms of memory. Um, one form, well first of all, let's think about the user experience, and the user experience really is a set of turns. So we have a dialogue, I say something, Alexa says something, I say something, we go back and forth, and you wanna persist some information between those turns, like you wanna understand, what item did I just say to use? What was, the, what was going back and forth? So that's session attributes, and you want to save your, you want a memory for the session. And the way that Alexa works is, the person says their utterance, they say a thing. That goes to the Alexa service, and the Alexa service does its work. It does the ASR to understand what words did you say, and it uses natural language understanding to say, what did you mean when you said those? So if I say, pick up the ax, it would say, interact with item, ax, mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, oh, I've got this. Now that, that is given to your skill. It forms a big JSON file that includes the intent and the slot values and gives that to your skill, and you can do whatever logic you want on it, right? 
So now I know that you're dealing with an axe. In my logic, what I would do is say, I think that's important. I want to keep the axe around, and I would store it into session attributes. Just basically add it to the JSON that's in my response. It's really all just JSON manipulation at the end of the day. Uh, if I was doing a trivia game, I would say the current question is question number six, and now I'm going to say what's the answer to question number six. I want to remember the correct answer plus what they say and compare them to see if they got it right or wrong, right? So I need session attributes. So anyway, throughout the constant back and forth of the turns that we have, that's the session. It keeps on going. At some point, I end the session. So I either quit or I walk away or I'm done for the moment or whatnot. And then now the question is, do I keep those attributes or not? And uh, you might choose to keep all of them or part of them or something. And so you would do, uh, you would use, if you're using the SDK, you'd use a persistence adapter, which would then save those attributes into DynamoDB or an S3 bucket. And then you can, when you launch the skill, you go, oh, I have a user. Do I have any uh, persistence for them? And they say, yes, yes, you do. Mm -hmm. And you can restore it, and then you can continue your game how you like. Mm -hmm. yeah. and that's what you can use to store any information you want about how the user is doing and even like, how they're interacting, how many terms have they played, all sorts of stuff like that. One, bi one big problem I see is that it, so most skills are using Lambda. You don't have to. You can use any web service you want. It doesn't really matter. But most skills are using Lambda. And I see a lot of times that particularly new developers will put a global variable into their Lambda function that is the mm -hmm. score. Right. Yep. That's not going to work because <laughs> you, while I'm having a conversation with Lambda, that Lambda function could get torn down, a new one get put up, I'm going somewhere else, maybe like I could have 10 Lambda functions going with my thousands of users at one time. Like it's all over yeah, the place. Yeah, someone else will come and they'll get your score. <laughs> right, yeah, so the global yeah. variable thing yeah. does not yeah. work in this turn-based web service uh, Lambda kind of world. You need to be thinking very explicitly about session attributes and memory. And it's a little bit different way of thinking from a like traditional PC app or something like that where you can mm -hmm. keep it all sort of local. Right. The SDK, though, makes it really easy to hook that up to Dynamo and kind of not have to think about your database too much. You kind of just set the JSON on the user attributes and it gets persisted. Yeah, for it you. makes the table for you. It does yeah, all the stuff. All the so stuff, it's, so it's, it's a great. tier one thing, yeah. Okay, so measuring. Uh, one of the things that Gal talked about was like, Somehow you knew where people are struggling. Somehow you knew uh, what people were enjoying and where you needed to put the hints in your thing. And so how do you go about thinking about uh, measuring and where to put your measurements and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. So um, I've tracked all sorts of things. So I'm tracking kind of how the users are doing as they're playing. I'm tracking how far they're getting in the game as different events. Um, but then more importantly, to improve the experience, I'm looking at what they're saying. Um, and that is right here. There's an intent history page on, on, mm -hmm. your, um, on the Lexus Skills Kit console. And you can look at basically everything the user said. And then you can kind of figure out what were they trying to do. So I spent a lot of time looking at this saying, this is what the user said. And they were probably trying to do this interaction. Uh, how can I make that happen? Can I add sample utterances to my intents to make that happen? Do I need to add some more synonyms for this item? Do they mean something else? Um, so really going through that and um, continuously iterating and trying to fix all those, eventually I stopped seeing uh, more things because I was that's handling cool. all of them. And that's where like, I saw a big impact in the review rating. Um, people are just having a much easier time interacting with the skill. Let's take a specific example. So you, let's say you have, you've designed your experience to say, there's an axe and you have to use the axe. So like, here's, here's the, I'm gonna make up a get out of the room right now, mm -hmm. okay? So there's a table in the middle of the room. You have to cut the table in the half with the axe. Put the table, the two halves of the table, right? Yeah. You put two halves together, that makes a hole. 
Yep. And then you crawl through the hole. Okay. <laughs> All right, so that totally works, right? Yeah. It's a different kind of hole? All right, I don't know, maybe I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> so the, the key there being you have to pick up the axe. Right. Now, that axe, there's an utterance that is pick up the item. Mm -hmm. And I axe is one of the possible items in your slot values. Yep. What if the person says, pick up the hatchet? Yep. And you didn't think of hatchet, but that's what they want to pick up. So what will happen is if you're logging your slot values, you can see what items people are saying there, and you go, oh, look, people are saying hatchet. I know what that is. That's a synonym for axe. So you go into your voice model where you have axe, and then there's an option just to add synonyms. You drop uh, hatchet into the synonyms, and now whenever somebody says synonym, or whenever they say hatchet, your code gets the intent, pick up an item, mm -hmm. and it gets what the person said, hatchet, and it gets what they meant, axe. So now you can say, I'm just going to, in my API or my database, I'm just going to use axe because that's the thing. You can even have an, an ID. So they, they said item number 16, mm -hmm. even when they said hatchet, right? So this concept of synonyms and measuring that and then looking for the fall off is an interesting one. Absolutely. I, I had to do that all the time. I have tons of synonyms for, for every word. And there was a ton I didn't expect when I released to other locales, like the UK. They just say things differently. I think right. I changed hey, trash the to bin or <laughs> stuff like to that. Bin. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So many things you won't expect. And being able to look at their intent history and see what people are saying is super valuable. Another one is understanding the way people move through your experience. Um, this is really important, and you might not care about it as much in web and mobile because you're basically saying, I mean, you do care where people go because you want to know how far into my, my web app did they get to. But it's different because uh, in web and mobile, you'll like, they're going to follow this wizard, right? I'm going to do step one, I'm going to hit next, I'm going to hit step two, I'm going to hit next, I'm gonna hit, whatever it is, and you're going to flow right through. Here, people could say, you know, you're expecting them to say, pick up the axe, and they could actually say, Take me back to room three. Well, I wasn't expecting that, right? And that's not how you would design a mobile app. You would have a menu system that would let them get back to other rooms, right? You'd, they'd have to leave that sort of experience. So what this chart here shows you is the, the dark blue spotches are what people said. So the first one's like, I launched the skill, right? That's the big first one. And then the next column is, what did they do next? So they might have said, start the game. They might have asked for help. They might have said, buy a hint, whatever it is. And they keep rolling through it. And you can sort of see, like, what is the path that a lot of people are taking? And one of the interesting pieces on this is the little red waterfalls, right? So, like, if you're a flat earther and you think the, earth, the water is falling off the edge, it's like that. This is a flat intenter. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and so the red is falling off the end. So that is where customers are leaving your skill. Now, if they just said stop and they fall off, Perfect. By design, that's how I wanted it to be. If they just said, uh, by a hint, and then they leave, you're like, whoa, that's the wrong yeah. time to leave, right? <laughs> so this will give you insights into where are people struggling uh, in, the, in the overall experience of your uh, skill. Yeah, and if you haven't looked at this yet, you, you're probably you're going to be really surprised with what the results are. I, I was definitely surprised with where people were dropping off, what they were doing. It wasn't what I expected, and then I was able to make some tweaks uh, until I kind of got to a point that made a lot more sense. Cool. cool. So uh, to reiterate some of the, the lessons we learned here is one is try to make your game easy to play and hard to master. Try to design it in a way that 
you'll let everybody um, have that enjoyment of having the fun in the skill. Like he was saying, every, it shouldn't be too difficult, but too hard, and you have to make that be able to adapt to all sorts of users. So once you get, once you get that down, you'll be able to have something that everybody can enjoy equally. Can I give you a quick book recommendation? Sure. Uh, it's called the, um, uh, the Theory of Fun by Raph Koster. Okay. Do you know I'll it? Write that down. No. Oh, it's so good. Raph Koster, The Theory of Fun. He's okay. a great game designer. Okay, awesome. Keep going. <laughs> K O S T E R. Yep. The Theory of Fun. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Next is uh, help should appear when needed and disappear when done. Uh, help people figure out your skill, track how they're doing, give them a customized uh, experience. Not everybody has to um, hear and feel the same thing as they go through your skill. Um, it should really be customized to them so that uh, they can play the way they want. And that's something that you can't really do as well on web and mobile, but it works really well for voice. Yeah, and it's super critical because people can't skim. And if yep. you're pushing stuff in front of them all the time, they're just going to bail because it's too much. Mm -hmm. So you've got to like, be really aware of this one. It's, a, it's a more critical. Yep. Right, exactly. And then um, the third one is you won't get it right the first time. You need to um, watch how people are playing. Get, get beta testers. Get people uh, to, to test it in front of you. Look at logs. Look at the interaction paths. Look at the intent history and really iterate over time. Um, and then you'll get it to a state that you want. Uh, when Escape the Room was initially released, I think it's was getting around a 3.3 review uh, average. And then I kind of told you everything that I did to kind of iterate and evolve the skill and all the changes that I made. And over time, uh, I kept improving. And I think around the last 100 or 200 reviews is like a 4.8 average That's now. Awesome. So, so you can definitely take, you don't have to change the content. Just like iterate that experience until you get it to a point that uh, people like to interact with it. And that can make a huge difference. So I'd love for everybody to think about this concept at the micro level. like. In my skill, here's how I'm iterating and all that. And also think about the macro level. The fact that you have 30 skills means you've been trying a lot of things and checking out. But the whole of the community needs a lot of uh, deep uh, understanding of how voice, ambient computing, this kind of an experience works together with screens, without screens, with all the stuff. How do we get there? It's, it's not, the, the world we see today is not the world we will see five years from now. And it's us that are going to make that thing happen. And it's through this kind of desire to get in there and try things and go push through. Exactly. So what we build, yeah, I guess that's the good question. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's a few different links for you. Uh, Alexa.design slash ISP is how you go after in-skill purchasing. Uh, Alexa.design slash guide will give you all the design patterns and stuff like that. Um, but really, just reach out to me. I guess the next slide will probably yeah. have the, uh, uh, there's, there's a few different people you should talk to. One is Gal. Uh, go talk about Stoked Skills. That's at Stoked Skills. Another is uh, Max Amadoruso. How do you say your name, Max? Amadoruso. I got it. Uh, Max is a phenomenal evangelist out of Europe, and that's his alias there. And then I'm at Paul Cutsinger. So if you go P-A-U-L and then C-U-T-S-I-N-G-E-R, I would love to hear what you're building, share. Uh, I'd love to get in there and play it and try different things and see how it's going. Awesome. Yeah, this was great. Uh, I'll be here if you have any more questions. So we want to learn from this experience, too. So please leave a review. Go in there. It's always like 30% of the people leave a review. We want all of you to leave a review and leave a little comment and let us know what we should do for this. We want to go take this kind of talk to more and more of the community. And the more you can give us feedback on it, the better we can get it out there and get it out to the different voice community and see 
and help speed up this iteration cycle. That's the whole point. So thank you. We'll be off to the side of the stage here if you have any questions. Awesome. Thank you, thank you everybody.